Good morning, church. Um, so before moving back to Texas, Alicia and I lived in Virginia for 10 years. And while we were there, Alicia bought a fig tree from, you know, those little pop-up like garden sales they have in the spring. Like they'll just go in a hardware parking lot, a hardware store parking lot and they'll just pop up. And so she went there. And when I say she bought a fig tree, what I mean is she bought this sad looking stick that was in a pot of dirt. Uh, it was on clearance. They were going to throw it away. I think she spent $2, $2 on it. Uh, not, not much risk. Okay. But it was pretty small, right? Like it was, it was a two foot long shoot and it had two proto leaves, like these little green buds. She looked at that and went, I, I, I probably can't make it any worse. So, so we brought it home. We put it in a bigger pot with more soil, fertilizer, watered it, and it grew. I built a box for it. We took it out of the pot and put it in the box, filled it with more dirt, and it grew. And now it was more than a stick. It had some branches. It had leaves. And, uh, and after about three years, I went out there. I was looking at the tree. Well, actually, Alicia was. She called me over. She said, come here, come here, come here, look at this. She pointed at this weird little green teardrop looking thing hanging down from the, from the limb. Is that what? Yeah. It's, it's, it's fruit. And you know, a lot of leaves. Okay. Just these little, little, little fruits. Have you, and you know, I was showing the kids, the fig leaves are about this, about this size, which incidentally, if you've ever read the, the story of Adam and Eve, you go, oh, that's why they used fig leaves, right? Because like, you know, you can just tape about three of those together and get the job done, you know? It's clear why they didn't use pine needles, right? Like, that would have been a job of work. All right, so, so we've got these lots of leaves, and we've got these little, little green things, and eventually those little green things, they swel swelled into, you know, a little uh, a black fig, and I think that first year, maybe we got six figs. No, no, the, the, first, the first crop. I think maybe we got like six figs. It was under five. Um, and we, we got them, and it wasn't a lot, but we were stoked, you know, and we waited patiently until they were ready, and we picked them, and we, we stood in the kitchen, and we ate our first fig together. A couple years later, that little stick, it had grown into a little tree, maybe six feet tall, maybe. And, uh, and it gave us lots of figs, maybe like 30 figs. It was nice. We'd pick them off the tree, we'd go, we'd wash them, slice it, eat it right there in the kitchen. And as we're eating our figs, we'd reminisce about our sad little Charlie Brown fig tree that she had bought a few years earlier. But, you know, when she bought it, 
she bought that, that, that little twig with hope. Hope for this exact moment that we're standing in the kitchen. That we'd, she bought it hoping that there would be a day where we'd pluck the fruit and we'd take a bite straight from the tree grown right outside our door. And it might, you know, it might sound silly to you, maybe not, but, it, but we have fond memories of that tree. I'll tell you what, though. If it wasn't for standing in the kitchen and, and eating that fruit, I don't think I would have fond memories of that tree. Now, in our reading today, Jesus told a parable about a fig tree, one that was decidedly not giving its owner fond memories. I'll uh, remind you of the story just in brief. I know it was just a minute ago, but some of us have short attendance spans. So there's a landowner. He had planted a fig tree three years earlier. And every year for three years, he'd go out and... Leaves, no fruit. So finally, after three years, the landowners, he's over it, right? He says, cut it down. We could use this space better, right? There's no reason this thing should be draining the resources of our soil. Cut it down. But the gardener pleaded with the owner. He said, one more year. We'll do whatever it takes to produce some fruit. And look, if I can do it, great, then you got a fig tree that actually has figs. And if not, well, then it just won't have a fifth year. Without any context, a story like that could mean a lot of stuff. It'd be hard to tell what that story is about. You could even imagine that Jesus is just telling a true story, right? It was very nearly the story of our fig tree. But the story did not come out of nowhere. It, there was context. And Jesus is trying to help them see, as he always does with a parable, he's trying to help people see things from God's perspective. What is the point of the parable? Jesus is teaching about repentance. I would not have got there without the context. So here was the context, all right? There was a fairly horrific thing that had happened to some of the folks in Galilee by Pilate. Now, we don't know exactly what it was because the way it's described is kind of almost poetic in a horrible kind of way. But here's what we think probably happened. It was something like there were some Galileans who had gone to the temple to make a sacrifice and Pilate had them killed right then and there. We think that's probably what it means when it talks about their blood mingling with the sacrifice. So as you can imagine, something like that, it scandalized Jewish people on multiple levels. You know, not only is it, not only is it a matter of safety, because that's unsettling enough, but also it's disrupting the worship life of the people, right? Like, Human blood isn't meant to be in the temple. So, so when terrible things happen, you know what people do? They like to talk about it. 
And it seems that people were probably asking, we don't have the verbatims, but it seems like people were probably asking Jesus the questions that people usually ask when tragedies happen. What are some of those questions, right? Why? Why did this happen? Or why did it happen to those people? What did they do wrong? Now, Jesus, he doesn't ignore the questions exactly, but the answer he gives shows more wisdom and love than serving up the answer that they were asking for, right? Because he could probably tell them why. He could probably tell them why those guys. That's not the question he answers because that, that question doesn't get to the heart of things. Jesus doesn't minimize, bless you, He doesn't minimize the tragedy of the Galileans. He also doesn't frame them as sinners who have fallen out of God's favor. He simply moves the spotlight off of the third party and moves it squarely to the people in front of them. Listen again. Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, they weren't. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. This is a classic Jesus move. As a pastor, as a, as a Christian, I hope you'll also learn to do what he's doing here. Because you want to talk about them, whoever they is, right? Whoever the them is. You want to talk about them. You want to ask theological questions about other people. Here's what Jesus does. I want to talk about you. Don't worry about them over there. They are outside of your jurisdiction. Let's talk about you. Oh, okay, I'm listening. Let me tell you a story about a fig tree. That's the context that informs the parable. The parable is about repentance, and you, you're the fig tree. Now, you know, American Christianity has had a a roller coaster ride um, of personalities and movements and so forth. And I think, you know, for many people, the word repent is associated with a very particular picture. The word repent, I think, is often tied to this caricature of a fire and brimstone preacher. And you can picture him, right? Ranting and raving about the endless torments of hell, demanding folks repent or else. And the response to that, the expected response, is something like terrified people saying they're really sorry to God and, and pleading for mercy. The message isn't, isn't all wrong, right? Because Jesus certainly presents us with a message of repent or else. It's right there in the text. But what he's aiming for is something altogether different. The aim isn't for people to cringe and apologize to God. The aim of Jesus' words is, it goes much farther than merely saving you from destruction. 
Because repentance isn't about feeling sorry. It's not even about making a very sincere apology. Repentance is about change. And it's also about the good that comes from the change. Good that that a, a repentant person can bring to the world. So the word repent, the word that we translate as repent, comes from a Greek word, a word that means something like change your mind or, or maybe like turn your mind around. So the, the word repentance isn't about stopping in your tracks. It's about altering your course. So on a related note, Greek word number two, the word that we translate as sin comes from an archery term that literally means missing the mark. Okay? So, I'm going to suggest we, we put those two ideas together. Right? So, the sinner is the one who's aiming wrong. And repentance would be changing your trajectory. Right? So the sinner is pointed in the wrong direction where their aiming ends in death. So if you repent, you change your directory, your trajectory, and you're now pointing at life. So let's come back to the fig tree, right? Repent or else. Repent, change. When, the land on, when, when you first hear the story, the landowner sounds pretty brutal, right? Like, I'm done with this tree cut it down. And the gardener's like, oh, whoa, whoa, take it easy on this little guy. It's just a, it's just a little tree. I, I, I believe in him. I just know he can do it. But actually, I don't think that's what's going on in the story. I don't think it's like the good landowner against, or the, the evil landowner against the good gardener. Or what, like, I don't think it, I don't think it's like that because I, I think the landowner and the gardener actually want the same thing. The landowner doesn't want to cut the tree down. He planted that tree for a reason. And what reason was that? For figs. What does the landowner want? Figs. He doesn't want to cut down the tree. He wants to see some fruit. So to the gardener, looks at the tree and he sees what it could be. Not not what it is, but what it could be. And so he pours himself into it. He puts that sweat equity into it. He digs around it, puts on the fertilizer. He takes the tree, which is worthless. The tree is a liability, not an asset, right? And he gives it what it needs to grow and cuts away what inhibits it. His goal is to redeem the tree. That's an important part of the story too, you know? Because repentance isn't something that comes from inside of you. It's not like repentance is hidden somewhere in the depths of your heart. It doesn't manifest by your strength. Repentance doesn't come about because you've got great willpower and constitution. Just as the gardener digs around the tree fertilizes it so that it will bear fruit. Who's the gardener in this story? It's 
Jesus. Christ pours into you his grace, his love, even his own spirit, because he wants to bring about change inside of you, right? But that change that happens inside of you isn't meant to stay inside of you. The healthy fig tree doesn't just make leaves. It bears fruit. Repentance has fruit, you know, fruit, fruit that's meant to bring joy to God and blessings to the world. That's why God planted you right where he did, so that you can bear fruit that feeds the world. Repentance isn't about obsessing over death that we're trying to avoid. Repentance, I think maybe repentance isn't looking much at yourself at all anymore. Repentance is about aiming at the life-giving works that God has planted us to do. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, today we admit that we have not borne the fruits that you have asked us to bear. Uh, Each and every one of us at times falls into fruitless leaf bearing, soaking up the sun for ourselves and being content in our own growth. But Lord, you've called us to much more than that. You've put us here for a purpose. You've poured in your spirit for a purpose. And that purpose is bigger than just our own health. That purpose is about bearing fruit that blesses the world and brings glory to you. So we pray, Heavenly Father, that you will bear fruit in us. That our attentions will be turned outside. That we would repent, not just trying to stop doing evil, But Lord, that we would actually be reoriented on the good that you would have us to do. We know that we'll do it imperfectly. And for that, there's grace. We know that if we do it, we can't take the credit. But that that's your spirit working inside of us. Today, Lord, we're simply praying that we would do it. That we would be a blessing to the world. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.